death has no tears, blood-bought ones. Amen. God bless you all this evening. Amen. I trust you've come expecting. Our brother Michael will be speaking tonight. Amen. We just got a testimony here from our brother John Sharman. He'd like to thank the saints for praying and believing with us and thanking the Lord for answering and watching over the success of the surgery. Amen. God bless you, brother John. We also have uh, our sister Laverne called in and would love to send her greetings to the people and let you guys know that she is listening and she loves you all. Amen. So if we can say God bless you to Sister Laverne this evening. Amen. God bless you. Amen. We love our Sister Laverne. Let's sing this. Death has no tears. Amen. Oh, death has no tears for the blood bond one.
God is tremendous. Amen. My sister Grace Speedy writes in a prayer request here for to please pray for Daniel who is at home sick tonight and also a prayer request for um, her niece, uh, Michaela in New Zealand. She has recently gave her life to the Lord and would like to be delivered from smoking. Amen. To remember that tonight, Sister Grace. We also got an unspoken prayer request um, from our sister Karen Ashdown for an extended family member. They called us to ask the church body here to please pray that the Lord would intervene for for them in the time of critical need. Amen. Brother George, can I have you open up the service in a word of prayer? Amen. You have a need to lift it before the Lord. Amen. He can meet and answer that prayer tonight. Dear Heavenly Father, yes, Lord, you are tremendous. Yes, Lord, you are tremendous. 
that God you can come down from your glory and Lord not just to interact with sinners with ordinary men but Lord the miracle is that Lord you can see us as you we're so grateful Lord Jesus thank you for bringing us from darkness and bringing us to this marvelous light to God Lord we rejoice Lord not because we have achieved or attained but because we are more than conquerors because you went to battle and gave us the victory Lord we accept that victory tonight Lord Lord we accept it Lord Jesus may we behave like those that have gotten this revelation of this acceptance Lord of what you have done oh God help us to shift out of our unbeliefs and doubt oh God to rise up to the place where we see ourselves like you see us Lord seeing us through the blood Lord Jesus we thank you dear father Lord thank you Lord for the testimonies Lord thank you Lord for the request Lord Lord no doubt every one of us has something to say that God has been good to me tonight Lord we say we are grateful Lord Jesus thank you for mercy thank you for your love thank you for your kindness Lord oh God we appreciate you Lord Jesus we are lifting this prayer request unto you, Lord. It's not to man, Lord, because we cannot help ourselves. How can we even help others? But Lord, you are the one that can help all of us, Lord. We commit this request unto you, Lord Jesus. Lord, it may be unspoken, but Lord, you understand it. One time a king in the Bible said, God can read. And Lord, you read. Tonight, Lord, you can see the unspoken request, Lord. You can see the request in every heart here, Lord Jesus. Maybe just a touch from you. Maybe a lifting up spiritually. Maybe a physical need, Lord. You understand it even better than we do, Lord. Come down, Lord Jesus. Help your servant tonight, Lord. May it not be him, Lord. May it be you, Lord. Take the gift, Lord Jesus, and use it for your glory, Lord. May each one of us live here like those brethren from Emmaus, that it our heart not born within us, while he speak with us along the way. Thank you, dear Father. Our sister that has just given her life to Christ many miles away. Lord, you are more than able, Lord. We rebuke that demon of nicotine. And Lord, we send our deliverance, Lord, as a body. We say, Lord, may you perfect our deliverance, Lord. May she testify that it was not her walking, but the Lord Jesus took away the desire and gave her a clean heart, Lord Jesus. You can do it, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Lord Jesus. When this service will come to an end, may we have every cause to glorify your name. Blessed be your name, Lord Jesus. For in Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. Our sister Precious has a special for us. So as she comes, can we sing Faithful One, so unchanging. Oh, faithful one, so unchanging. i
please join in in the chorus. A country where no twilight shadows deepen On ending day where night will never be A city
it's, we'll see the bright light shine after hearing that. Thank you, Sister Precious. As our brother Michael comes, amen. Oh, see the bright line, it's just about home time. I can see my father standing at the door. This world is but a wilderness. I'm ready for deliverance, amen. Let's start with the first verse. There's a light in the window. Oh, there's a light in the window. this homesick before we've probably been homesick a few times who's been homesick on a trip before yeah you've been a long ways away like man i just want to get back home Uh, that pales in comparison i pray to the yearning that you have to get out of this world and back to where we belong amen amen happy to be here tonight god bless you and welcome to the service just a couple little announcements here just a reminder that young people is on friday I think some of the young people would have gotten the email that was sent out. Uh, if you haven't, maybe just check your junk mail. It's very possible it went there. Uh, and uh, just having a bit of a different evening, so I'm looking for some input before I get there on Friday. So if you can check your little email inboxes if you can, and we'll uh, communicate in some other ways in the coming uh, few days here. 
next Wednesday is a business meeting for the church. We usually have that about once or so, once a year. So it'll be next Wednesday. So all those that support the body here, uh, you're welcome to come to the to the service. It's not streamed, of course. And so that'll be next Wednesday evening. Amen. Why don't we just have a word of prayer? Lord, we've rejoiced. Lord, what a day that'll be when my Jesus I shall see. When, Lord, we get home, our hearts longing, Lord, to cross over. Lord, many of our loved ones have crossed on. and We think of different ones that are missing from our congregation. And, Lord, as the scripture says, a great cloud of witnesses, Lord, await us. And, Lord, it's just calling us, Lord, as each one would pass, remembering our brother Donnie Reagan and his family, Lord, as his daughter has passed on. And, Lord, that call that beckons us there only grows stronger and stronger. Lord, one day there'll be a last one to cross over before the rest of your bride is called in this great rapture. Lord, that's what we're living for. Lord, everything we do, Lord, is for that great moment that we can be called home. So, Lord, tonight you've ordained this meeting. You've ordained this service. Somebody, Lord, I pray everybody, Lord, here present and maybe listening. Lord, you have a word for them, Lord, specifically. Lord, maybe to encourage maybe to save and deliver. Lord, but it, Lord, mostly to draw us nearer to you. So Lord, we commit the service tonight that you would strengthen the speaker, Lord. You would anoint the hear to receive exactly what you have purposed tonight. So Lord, we commit everything now to you in Jesus Christ's holy name. Amen. Amen. Why don't we take our Bibles tonight? We'll turn to Exodus 12. Thank you, musicians. Very familiar chapter. We're going to start at verse 11. Exodus 12, verse 11. Of course, this is the Exodus chapter, the Passover, and I won't start at the beginning, but these are the directions the Lord has given Moses on how to, what to do for each household as they're getting prepared to leave Egypt. And I'll just maybe start at verse 11, just as a start, and then we'll, we'll turn over to Jeremiah 29 after. But Exodus 12, verse 11, and thus shall ye eat it with your loins girded, speaking of the lamb, and the sacrifice there. And speaking of the families, they'll be girded in their home, your shoes on your feet, your staff in your hand, and ye shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass the land of Egypt, pass through the land of Egypt this night, and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. My, I can imagine when Moses was conveying that. To the children of Israel, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. They had been having judgment executed on them for a long time. The whip had been on their back, but God was now stating, I'm going to do this. I'm going to come against all the gods of Egypt, and I'm going to execute my own judgment. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the house where ye are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. 
Let's turn to Jeremiah 29. Another very familiar scripture. For thus saith the Lord, that after 70 years be accomplished, this is chapter 29, verse 10, my apologies, that after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, I'll visit you and perform my good word toward you in causing you to return to this place, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you an unexpected end. Then shall ye call upon me, and ye shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. What a promise. It's not then you shall call upon me, and you shall go and pray unto me, and I'll figure out whether I want to hear you or not, or whether I want to respond to you or not. No, I will hearken unto you, and ye shall seek me and find me, when ye shall search for me with all your heart. And I will be found of you, saith the Lord, and I will turn away your captivity. I will gather you from the nations, from all the places whither I have driven you, saith the Lord. I will bring you again into the place whence I caused you to be carried away captive. Amen. Now, wonderful. When ye shall search for me with all your heart. Then we'll go to the beginning of that verse. You'll find me. And so that finding, that seeking, and that finding has a bit of a caveat of searching with all your heart. Amen. Lord, just grant the blessing to the service. You may be seated tonight. I wonder who has searched. Ever searched for something with all your heart? You ever lost something? (laughs) Welcome back, Gabe. It's been a long time. Ever looked for something? You're like, my goodness. And you have to search with everything. Up, down, to, fro, everywhere, which way you go. Not a half-hearted search, especially as something that was precious. I can imagine the, the story or the parable or so of the, of the uh, wife that lost uh, her, her, um, her virtues and, and such. And she was looking so heavily for, for her virtue because her husband, it was a, re, a, a, a symbol of her purity and such to her husband. And so she, if that was lost, she was searching with all her heart. I can tell you that. And so that's, that it would be the, the last thing she would want to do is to come home and her husband think that there would have been, have been some unfaithfulness in the home. And, and so she was desirous to find with everything that's in her that little lost, that little lost virtue, that little uh, piece that, uh, that, that would represent that. And so she would search so hard to ensure that her husband would not even, even have reason to think that. And so God, God would desire us that we search for him with everything that's in us. Amen. I wonder if, if that happened tonight in the service. If we actually pressed tonight, if the other scripture that I would, would read would Luke 16, 16, the law and the prophets were until John since that time of the kingdom of God is preached and every man presses into it. Amen. So he presses into it. And I wonder if tonight we can press into the service. Amen. A conscious decision tonight. Say, well, I don't know what the day held for me today. I don't know what it was for you. Uh, for me, it was preparing for tonight. But whatever, whatever it was that you went through, just forget about it. For, forget about the difficulty. Forget about the trial. Forget about the circumstance. If you just said, Lord, tonight, I am going to just focus so solely on you. And I'm going to press into the service. I'm going to do it with all my heart, all my might, all my strength. And I'll tell you, God will have something for you. Amen. 
Because the scripture says, seek me and you'll find me. If you seek with all your heart. Amen. And so tonight I pray like never before. I, Im- I can't imagine what kind of service we could have. If like never before we said, this is, one, if this is my last service, it's going to be my best. Amen. What if we treat it that way? It's all of our last services today. Something's going to happen from here on out. It's our last service. So let's put it in like it's our last. Amen. So if you're familiar with the message, which I would imagine most of you here are, those scriptures should be familiar because those are the scriptures out of the message of Brother Brown and Priest Desperation. And so I just want to maybe take a Wednesday night thought as we call sometimes Wednesdays a little bit of home cooking and uh, just maybe something simple. And so I just want to just take a service or a title, uh, Desperate to Possess the Token. And man, man defines desperation in a few different ways. And I, when I looked at their definitions, I thought, eh, that's not quite it. Because man defines desperation as, as despair and flailing or a last-ditch effort, a hopelessness. In desperation, there's hopelessness, according to the thesaurus.com. Uh, 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 heartbroken and despondent and a whole lot of other synonyms out there. But I didn't really get that if you read the message desperation. That's not what I get out of that message. I don't get hopelessness. I don't get despair. I don't get despondency. I, I don't get, you know, that, that everything's falling apart or some last-ditch effort. That's not what I get out of that message. But I get a desperation is an earnest desire. It's a fervent passion. It's, it's whatever it takes. It's a daringness to go, to go forward beyond all reason, beyond all circumstance. But I'm going to press toward the mark. Amen? So man's got desperation totally wrong in that context, I would say. And so one person put it, which I had to adjust a word or so, but they put it a little closer. They said the feeling of being, and I put a dire or an urgent or important situation, that you are willing to take any risk to change it. I thought, okay, I'll I'll, I'll go there with you. You know, a, a situation or something that you are willing to do anything. You're willing to risk anything to change it. So that there is a little bit more desperation. And I'd say we're probably living in a pretty desperate time. I'm sure most of you have been, uh, are all aware, of course, as we even heard on Sunday, that we should be in high alert because this world's in crisis mode. A lot of, just, a lot of I would say, in desperation in that hopelessness category is where many in the world are. As we know, the Middle East is in somewhat crisis, not somewhat, quite a bit of crisis. Russia and Ukraine still percolating their deal. China and Russia meeting quite recently, even over the last several hours, deepening their connections. If you read that, and Brother Branham talks about three curtains, it's those, it's those two and another one. Bamboo, iron, and the purple curtain, Catholic Church. And so if there's anything that matters, those two countries are definitely on the radar. Iran and Russia connecting deeper. In fact, just this last, yesterday, Russia said it no longer needed to obey the UN Security Council restrictions on giving missile technology to its ally, Iran, once they expire today. Today, Wednesday. So that is apparently expired, and so Russia feels that they could just do that, give Iran any missile support they need. That's the time we live in. A crisis time, a despairing time for many. They would look at that and they would be in a hopeless state. Because they're like, what, you know, where's this world going? They have no hope. They have, they have nothing. No support. And so I, even in the, in the recent days, we've had earthquakes all over, even within our own region. Some maybe have felt it. In Victoria, felt a little earthquake we had even here. And so the world is trembling in so many different aspects. 
And you would think that it would put people on some level of desperation. You'd think. But unfortunately, our world, at least in this area of of the world, North America, I'd say it takes a whole lot to put people into desperation. You know, because we, are, we live in a society that, that we have a lot of fixes for everything. You know, in the olden times, if, if you, you know, something, if you missed a harvest or you had a bad harvest, that was a desperate situation because you were going to starve throughout the winter because you'd have no food or something would be a bit of a problem. And so, but, but now, you know, that's not the case. If you have your fashion garden or your trendy garden of your four by four little area and you didn't grow any peas this year or corn, you're like, whatever, off to the produce stand I go and I'll load up at Costco because it's not a big deal. We, we don't have to worry about those things. It's not a desperate case or, or, you know, if your horse broke a leg three, you know, many, many miles from home, you were in a desperate situation. You could be dead, depending on the situation, depending on maybe the terrain, depending on the, the, uh, the weather, etc. But now we can just, you know, BCAA it. You don't really matter where you are. You just, even your satellite phone now, Apple now can just text you satellite, AAA in the States, anywhere, in the, anywhere you are in the world, and you can get in text contact with, with somebody to help you out. So there, there's the, the, the need to, be, to get into desperation. It's been minimized. You know, we don't have these moments of, of old times. You know, if you had a fever in the olden days... You could be in deep trouble. Infection, I should say. You know, some little cut and suddenly it starts to get infected. Guess what? You go septic and you're dead. Someone was desperate there. Like they were doing everything they could. I mean, all they could do maybe was put a cold cloth in your head. Now it's like pop an Advil and uh, we're good. Put a little polysporin on it and you don't even think about it. Somebody back in the day was like, I'm dead. They were desperate. Yeah, they got into a desperate situation. You know, you can even put your back out or something like that. And, you know, in the olden day, you're, you're put up for a long time, maybe never the same again. Now you go to the chiropractor, back into gear, and off you go. We don't have a need to get desperate because there's so many props or crutches that we have in this day. And so we never have to get to that state of desperation. But, you know, there's actually some benefits to desperation. You know, when you get into a desperate state, you know, things change. You know, you'll, you'll do things, there's an old account back in 1982 of a lady, her name is Mrs. Cavallo, and uh, there's a lot of, a handful of more documented uh, st- uh, cases of this, but this one is at the top per se, and her son was working on her car, uh, his car, and the, the jacks fell out, and the car fell on him, and she saw it happen, and she ran out there, and she lifted the car four inches off the ground, allowing time for, for help to come and, and, uh, and to replace the jacks and pull her son out. You say, how on earth did, did one woman have the ability to do that? Well, I'll tell you, desperation. It was a moment where there was no other help, there was no crutch, there was nothing that could, that could uh, help her out, and so she got desperate, and something kicked in. Don't ask me why they call it hysteria strength, but uh, it came in desperation when she could lift a car. Incredible. But that's what comes under desperation. I can tell you if she walked up to the car in normal circumstances and tried to pull, pull lift it up, she'd probably pop a hernia or something because there's no ability, there. there's no need to do that. It was desperation that gave that, her, her that ability. Please just work through the spiritual parallel there as we walk along, all right? How about, you know, when, when desperation comes, you know, our cares about what we look like, what our clothes look like, our fashion, or what people would think about us, 
just disappear. You know, in a desperate moment, no one, you're not caring, and generally no one's caring either. And, uh, you know, priorities get rearranged. You know, when somebody gets very hurt or even somebody passes in a family, everything stops. Nothing matters. What you thought was priority just became the lowest priority. It changes because desperation strikes in. Something has changed your world, and so now you're willing to, to really do whatever it takes to change maybe the situation. Israel right now, I'd say, is in a desperate state. Here they have landed. God gave them. My goodness, but for so long they've allowed some squatters in an area of their land. you think they would have figured that out a long time ago. But of course, it's pressed them. And it's now pressed them to a place where they're now going to remove the threat, whatever it takes. Right? They've got to a desperate mode where they're willing to basically go in there and do what they maybe should have done over a longer period of time. And now they've got to do it all in one short period. And it's going to look, you know, obviously maybe not too good for them. But they're willing to do that because it's desperate. They've had a situation in their country, and so they're willing to go there. And so desperation has some benefits, and so it shouldn't be something to shy away from, or as we'll get to, maybe something that you, something has to happen to get you there. You don't want that. We don't need that. But it's, it, it shouldn't be hard as we're living in these last moments of time, and the hour that we are in is to ensure that we get in a desperate, desperate state. Israel was in a desperate state because they needed to possess something. They needed to possess a token. They needed to have something that was going to, to protect them, to, to shield them from death that was coming in their land. And Brother Branham says the people had seen the hand of God. The night of communion, they took it in desperation because they know that something was fixing to happen. I would imagine we know something is fixing to happen. Surely we have got enough spirituality to know that we're at the very last moments. And we know, he said, remember the coming of the Lord will be sudden, secret, going away. He'll come and he'll take her like a thief in the night. And to think that if somebody, all of a sudden, there's members of our family gone and you're left behind, it should throw us into desperation that by the grace of God, we'll not be left back behind. Tonight is not a night of condemnation. I've prayed, Lord, please don't let me uh, convey that. I, I wouldn't want you to leave the service tonight. To, to be condemned somehow, especially when you talk about the token and needing to have a token life, etc. And some can start to question whether then they have it when they really do. And so I don't want to allow the devil even a foothold to try and, and bring that condemnation spirit. So that's why I'm dealing with it right here, right now. That ain't welcome here. And I'm, I'm just uh, I'm imploring you don't allow that to take hold in your mind. You know, back in World War II, the Jews were loaded onto the trains in Hungary, and there was a man named Raoul Wallenberg. They call him a righteous Gentile. And he was issuing out fake certificates, uh, what were they called, certificates of protection. And he, they forged these many, many, many of them, hundreds and hundreds and thousands of them, and he would go up into the train cars and into the ghetto, and he would, when they were trying to take the Jews away, and he'd, he'd be handing these, these out. And they were, they were allowing them to go to Sweden, because it was a neutral country. And so anyone that could get that little certificate of protection was then taken out of the car, taken out of the train, out of the line going into the train, and off they would go into Sweden. And he saved thousands and thousands of Jews by this little card that was forged saying certificate of protection from Sweden. 
Do you know the, the desperation as that, I'm sure, went through the different channels of communication? If I could just get my hands on a certificate of protection, you would have no worry. But they were Germans were hustling the different Jews onto the trains and off they were going to the different camps. Certain death was ahead of them. But then Raoul Wallenberg would come driving up in his car. He'd screech right up into the train yard there and he'd start handing out these certificates. It would have been a mad grab. And I would tell you, you, if you were there, you would have been figuring out, how do I get that little piece of paper? He did that over and over and over again. In fact, Eichmann had a personal hunt out for his head. He was right on the top of their, of their, of their forefront of their minds. But I just was imagining the desperation of a little family or something like that, a little daddy who was getting hauled off and his children were going one way and his wife was going another. And what, they, what we would have done if he could just reach Raoul Wallenberg, who's handing out certificates, it was really who could get there at the end of the day. And if you see a little different documentary on him, he, he's just like, oh, you, you're, you're, you're Hungarian, you're this. And he just handed it like he knew them. It's like he had personal connection to thousands of people. And it was like, uh, yeah, you do. And they'd, they'd, get, they'd take the little, the little card and off they would go. You as a daddy would be doing whatever it takes. You'd be in desperation. I need that for my family because we're in certain death ahead of us. You would have clambered, you would have shoved. You might even snatch it out of someone else's hand. Because when desperation kicks in, you're going to do, do things you probably never thought you were possible of doing. But unfortunately, humanity, as Brother Branham says in the, in the message desperation, humanity generally always waits for the emergency to throw that fan of desperation on. Brother Branham says that usually it takes a state of an emergency to throw us into desperation. It's too bad it has to do that. But human beings, he says, are so slothful in their mind that it takes an emergency. Something arises, throws them into desperation, and really in that desperation, he says, it brings out that real thing that you are. Amen. That's what God's looking for. He's looking for the real thing that you are. And so he'll allow those moments to bring you into desperation so that he can bring out the real character of who he really made you to be. He says it shows what you're made out of in the time of desperation, and it usually pulls out all the good things that's in you. You're like, man, why does it take desperation to do that? Why does it take an emergency to get me there? And I'd say, Lord, don't make me require an emergency. Let me get into desperation now without an emergency. Often you see someone that something happens when someone passes away or something and it creates an emergency situation and suddenly then somebody maybe gets super spiritual at that moment. Uh, but it, it can be uh, sometimes just an emotional thing. And so, it, you know, it's, I'd say, Lord, where were they before that emergency moment? Were they calling God before that time? Or is this just, they're just kind of shattered their world and so they're pushed into this state. God will use that indeed. But Lord, if we can, let us not be lax or casual. And the only thing and the only time that we get desperate is when there's an emergency. I said, I don't want to leave it for that moment. So Israel here was in, in token time. Wasn't a, well, you could call it indeed a, maybe a personal emergency. It was a national emergency, I'd say, affecting both Israel. Egypt was in that state as well. 
And Brother Brown says they had seen the great hand of God, saw all his miracles. They had come under the sign of the token. They were in and under the sign of the token. They'd taken the communion in desperation. He said it was a shaking time where every man was examining himself. Because the word of the prophet had not failed one time. It had proven to be true. Whatever it said, it had happened exactly the way he'd said it. The pillar of fire was there. The prophet had announced what God, God would only pass over when he saw the token at the door. And it was a desperation. And I would pray tonight, if we can see the parallel, obviously, of our own time, if I could read that paragraph and I'd say, it's proven to be true. The prophet, what he had spoken had not failed one time. The pillar of fire was there. The prophet had announced that God would only pass over when he saw the token at the door. There's a desperation hour at hand right even now. Let's not look just to Exodus time or Exodus 12 and say, well, that was then. It's even now. Amen. So we should be in desperation even at this moment. He says, I would imagine the children, when they saw those big black wings drop down from the sky like a smoke setting over the city, and the screams coming from every house, the children might have went to their daddy and said, Daddy, are you sure that we're under the token? That would have put a desperation on the daddy. Maybe he would want to go and just poke his head out there and just take a check for sure and say, I know I put it on there. Son, you were there, but just to be sure. Indeed, the blood is on the doorpost. There's pure safety because the prophet spoke it and we believe it and our faith is in what he said. Everything he said before, when the flies came and the lice came and the frogs came and the Nile went to blood, every time the word came to pass. So I'm confident that his word that said a lamb put the blood on the door is going to sustain and put back the enemy tonight. He said it's token time. What a great desperation time. It was a time that we wanted to be identified with the blood. Amen. I spoke last time on a confusion of identity. There was no confusion here. There was a full desire. Nobody's making, making a mistake. I am identified with what is on that doorpost right there. Me and the blood, it's right here. It's covering me. I don't want to be detached in any way. So there was no confusion where their identification was. They wanted to ensure that it was under the blood. And these brother Bram said, when they shed the, of this, the, through the shedding of this lamb, the natural lamb in Egypt, the blood was applied. And when it was, it stood for a token. That the blood of the lamb, what, it, that would st- that what would the blood of the lamb stand for? See, the token that we are dead to ourselves and identified with our sacrifice. That the lamb and the blood, the person becomes identified together. The sacrifice and the believer You're identified in your life by your sacrifice, and that makes you who you are. He said the blood was a token or an identification. I would want that to be my identification. So, Lord, I don't want nothing else to identify who I am or what I'm identified with, as we spoke last time, but the blood or the Holy Spirit, the life from the blood that is issued out at Calvary is my identification in this day. He said the blood identified that the worshiper had slain the lamb, accepted the lamb, applied the token to himself, and he was not ashamed. Amen. There's no shame, nothing to be ashamed about. He was proud to stand there and say, there's blood on my door. There's blood on my door. Why is there blood on your door? There's blood on my door. Well, I don't know. I don't believe that kind of stuff. There should be. There should be blood on your door. There's death in the land. 
Yeah, that's right. He didn't care who saw it. He wanted everybody to see it. And it was placed in such a position that everybody passing by could see that token. As you'd go to work, they're looking at you. They're like, there's something different there. That's right. There's blood on the doorposts of my heart. Is there blood on your doorpost? Amen. There was no shame. They were unashamed. Amen. I wonder how many looked at, at that time of Passover and didn't put them in any, des- any desperation at all. I'm sure there was plenty of Egyptians that walked by and been like, what's that? Who puts blood on the doorpost? These people are weird. Scoffed them. Mocked them. It didn't produce nothing in them. That's why people can walk, walk through. They can hear the gospel. They can hear this message. And it produces Zippo. Maybe even some of Israel didn't feel that really applied to them. Well, you know, I wonder if someone was, was wondering, well, I'm not really a firstborn, and, and there's not, you know, and so maybe it doesn't really apply to me, and there's not really anybody in my household that really applies to me. I could probably just skip it. I wonder if there's a whole lot of reasoning going on why, why that me- the message really didn't apply to them. I can just kind of do my own thing, but I'll also get out of Egypt, I'm sure, because, you know, death won't come into my house. I can tell you that person probably landed in the pit with Korah somewhere. You follow all the word, every jot, every tittle, because a son or daughter of God isn't going to look to weasel his way or her way out of his word. Whatever you say, Lord, I'm going to do. If it's blood on the doorpost, if it's the Holy Spirit in my life, it's a full surrender, whatever it is, I'm going to do it. But you know, there's a different group that were desperate to possess and to identify with the blood of the lamb. And I could see, I could see a little household, maybe a little, little son, little daughter would say, Daddy, why do you got your shoes on? Well, why do you got your staff in your hand today? Why do you have a piece of, of bread in your hand and a lamb in the other? Why, why is it bitter herbs in them things? This is Brother Branham. He says, why are you eating it? Why is the sweat running from your face? And the daddy would say, son, Death is fixing to strike. He said, see, it was a time of desperation. And I would wonder in this day, I'd say, if there's a little son or daughter could say, Daddy, why do we got to go to church? Why do we go to church on a Sunday? Why do we go to church on a Wednesday? Why are you sitting there on your knees, Daddy? Why do you go to prayer that way? Mama, why are you listening to that tape there? Why is that so important to you? Why, Why is this our home this way? Why do we follow the Word of God this way? Because, son, death is fixing to strike. What a desperate hour. What a desperate hour. But in that desperate hour, God was going to reveal himself. So desperation is actually a good thing. God uses desperation, as I said, so often. I'll go through a handful of different, different examples, as Brother Branham did, because desperation has a way of bringing God on the scene. So if God comes on the scene under desperation, I'd say, well, Lord, bring on the desperation. Don't maybe make me require the emergency, but bring on the desperation. Joseph, think about it. He, he had a desperate situation over and over throughout, but Joseph revealed himself in a desperate moment of famine 
When everybody was dying throughout the land and coming to Egypt, they had a terrible broken family. This, all the brothers were every which direction. They'd fake Joseph's death. All these different situations. But in that time, in that terrible hour of that, of that moment, Joseph revealed himself to his brothers. Desperate moments. It was a desperate moment for Lazarus, or for Martha, I should say, and Mary, when, as Lazarus had, had died and gone away. But in that desperate hour, who walked on the scene? He knew it was a desperate time, but oh, he must have just been waiting for Martha to come up and say, oh God, my brother, if you'd been here, my brother would have died. He knew all along. He told the disciples he was coming back, that Lazarus had slept, but he was just dying to tell her that I'm the resurrection and the life if you believe in me. Though he are dead, yet shall he live. In desperation, God was desiring, Martha, cry unto me, and then I'll show you who I am. Don't fear desperation. Let's get desperate. Let's get desperate to possess him. We underestimate, I think, the power of desperation. Coupled with faith. Oh, Brother Branham has some strong words to say. When you bring desperation and faith together, what a powerhouse. Yeah, Jonah. He was in a brutal situation. Yeah, I know we go through these stories in the scripture. We can say, well, Jonah and the whale, big fish. But, you know, in reality, Jonah had to sit there in that little bottom area of the boat as he was coming out of his sleep and realizing, oh dear, I have a problem. And he pokes his head out from, from underneath and he comes up onto the onto the. Uh, the main area of the boat, and here stuff's going overboard. The ship's getting empty. The storm is raging, and he knows he's the problem. He had to process all of this, and he was probably getting into a bit of a desperate strait. Oh boy! And he's the one who said, "Here's what you got to do." So he knew what what had to happen. However, that was, and Jonah's saying, "Throw me overboard." He doesn't know what's going to happen. I don't know. Did Jonah know that there was a fish ready to take him? I don't know. That was a desperate situation. The unknown ahead of him, Brother Branham said, all hopes of survival was gone. He got thrown overboard in the bottom of the sea. And you know, I think we all think that this ship, this, this fish was the size of the Titanic and he opened up his mouth and Jonah was walking around in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. I don't think so. So let's bring it down to reality, the desperate situation he was in, the circumstances that surrounded him. But Abraham said, Lord, if the people, he's there, uh, Jonah starts to pray. He said his mind, he said, came back to Solomon. He said, Lord, if there be people in trouble, I'll turn towards your temple and pray. So this is what he's thinking. And turning over in the belly of the whale, managed to get somewhere to his knees. Okay, now we're getting a little bit of a clear picture. I imagined the vomit of the whale all over him. And then he prayed in desperation. You might have to be, you're crammed in some situation that would be some figurative vomit all over you where you're just trying to turn over. Come on, it's dark, it's seaweedy, it's disgusting. And he's in there crammed, just trying to get somewhere on his knees. But in desperation in that moment, God was going to step on the scene. 
He had a whole city that was going to repent. He prayed in desperation. Just a few breaths of oxygen is all he had in the whale's belly. In them few breaths he was drawing. Maybe he didn't know which way he was, but he said, Lord, I believe. I'm coming upwards, looking upwards to your temple. And just with a few breaths to go, in desperation he prayed under those circumstances. Oh, you might be spiritually just got a few breaths to go. I don't know if I'm going to make it. Spiritually, I'm going under. I don't even know if I can get my head above water. But say a prayer in desperation saying, God, I'm going to look to you and I need you to come on my scene. Well, if he could do that for Jonah in that situation, surely he can do it for you or I. Never been done before, Brother Brown says, but he was desperate. You say, I don't know a situation on the planet of the earth that's like mine. Well, at that moment, neither had anything happened like this for Jonah. But in a desperate hour, when he got desperate before God, didn't care what no one else did because no one else was there, God came on the scene and delivered him out of a very unique situation. So can he deliver you out of a very unique situation? I say, yes, Lord. But Abraham says, Peter was in the line of duty when God called him out onto the sea. And he stepped out of the ship, his faith so great. There was Jesus. And he started to walk. But Abraham says, and he got scared when he got started and started to sink and desperation. He said, though a mistake in trying to follow the commandments of God. He says, I hope the church gets that. Though a mistake in trying to follow the commandments of God, not condemnation. Jesus wasn't there just kicking him under the water. Well, serves you right, you had a little faith, so just wanting you to go and blubber some water for a little while. No, that's not what he did. No, sir, he was in the line of duty. The man was doing what God told him to do. He said, now you Christian tonight, you're in the line of duty, trying to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. And a cancer grabbed you, or a death grabbed you, or a tubercular grabbed you, or a depression grabbed you, or something grabbed you, some circumstance, some suicidal demon, something from some influence tries to grab a hold of you. He says, in the line of duty, you have the same right that Peter had. The same right. You're following God's commandment. Satan tried to buffet you. Your faith shook just a little bit. But he's right there. Somehow Satan wants you to forget that he's right there. God is just waiting for you to call. As Peter called, Lord, save me. I can tell you, God didn't leave him there. Think about your situation. Think about your decision. Yeah, I'm here, but have you pondered what you did? No, sir. He was right there. Got you, Peter. He said, that's it. When you cry out. Then we find out in the sinking, God heard him in the line of duty. He said he failed. No matter if you fail. That don't have nothing to do with it. We all fail. We're a failure to begin with, he said. But we got somebody 
Somebody's standing right there. That's what he said, standing now with a strong hand. You say, well, I failed. Well, so what? Join Peter's ranks. But you got somebody with a strong hand that all he's desiring is say, call out to me. Call out your need. Cry out. I'm right here. Hallelujah. He just wants you to speak it. Confess it. Like I said, God knew exactly what Lazarus' situation was, but he wanted Martha to say it. He said, if you made a mistake, some woman made a mistake, some man made made a mistake, some boy or girl made a mistake, don't sink, scream out in despair. Oh, Lord, say me or I'll perish. He said, get desperate about it. God will hear you. He always hears a desperate soul. Hallelujah. He says, that's what I'm trying to tell you about. He always hears a desperate soul. Not a casual, well, Lord, I kind of need you today. Have a bit of a situation. No, no, no. He always hears a desperate soul. I tell you, a desperate little lady... <clears throat> was that little Mexican woman? Oh my. When you read the account of that, I tried to put myself into that little mommy's shoes. That is a level of desperation <clears throat> that if we could just get to, oh my goodness, the roof of this sanctuary would blow off. Because she had heard from the night before that a blind man had been received his sight. I don't know if she's seen it, but he went and was testifying. So I was just thinking maybe she just heard it. She maybe didn't even hear about it. You know, just word of mouth spread. The meetings are happening. Did you hear that a blind man received his sight? She heard that, and that morning her baby had just died. So she says in her heart, Brother Bram says, God spoke to her and said, If God can give man his sight, she can give my baby life. That's all she needed. Something kicked in to that little lady. Oh, that's all she had. How many here know of somebody that has had a miracle done to them? Me? That's all she had was one. Just one. God gave this man his sight. I have a dead baby. No, it wasn't I have a headache. It wasn't I have this or that. I have a dead baby that's getting colder and colder and colder in her arms. And she makes her way to a service to stand there in hours and hours of waiting. And then a prayer line now starts and Brother Branham is there. 300 ushers are barring her way to the one that she knows can meet her need. So I just need to get to that prophet. 300 ushers and Brother Branham starts to talk about what she does. Oh my goodness, she's under legs. She's over shoulders. She's, she's got a baby, a dead baby here. She's rushing through and she'd go over the shoulder and then she'd fall down in the midst of them and just a chaos was happening there in a meeting. Think about it. Think about it. Come on. All of you here just being an usher, just all standing in the way and some little lady come crashing through here that's trying to get to the, get to the prophet. And you're barring her way. And she's up and she's down and she's through. She's over. And she's got a little infant here trying to maintain its integrity. There, she's trying to make her way through. 
Oh my goodness, saints. It was a constant roar in the service. God had spoken to her heart that God could give sight. He could give life. Oh my. But when she made her way, waiting for a prophet, who then God gives him a vision, and he said, stop, just wait, stop. But I seen a little baby just walking in front of him. Oh, everything stopped still. As he then went to that little one, she calls him Padre, father and such. And Brother Brandon then speaks to her and tells her he's seen a vision. And that baby, all he says is then all you hear is wham, wham. Why? Because the little mama was so desperate. She didn't care what anybody thought. She was one hand in and jumping over. You say, that's out of conduct. That's just not a proper. It didn't matter to her. She said, I got a dead baby. I got a dead son. I got a dead daughter. I don't care. I got to get to my God. That's all that matters. Be the, be the Mexican woman tonight. How desperate are we? Bless your name. Do you think God cared about the commotion? Do you think he cared about the screaming and the crying? There was a lot of that. There should be a little more. Because there's sons and daughters that need to come to life. My God is able. He can bring a little Mexican baby to life. He can bring any baby to life. Supernaturally, spiritually, or naturally. I don't care how long. I don't care how dead. He did it one time. He can do it again. If you meet him on the same basis, the same faith, the same desperation, the same result will happen. Hallelujah. Hannah was in the same place. Hannah had a barren womb. Hannah was bearing a reproach. Said, I need life to come to this womb of mine. Everybody scorns me. Everybody makes fun of me. And she made a way. She was desperate. She got to an altar. She didn't care what people were saying. She didn't chatter. She didn't chatter about their garments and their shawls and this and the other. But she had one purpose. That was to get to an altar there in the temple. And so she could call on God. Even in silence or so. But she was desperate. She never noticed. Brother Bram says the dignity of the temple. Never noticed a dignified priest as he walked out. She was in such distress till her tears were rolling down. She said, Margaret, God give you what you're asking for. He said her cheeks. She was crying in desperation. Oh, Lord God, give me a son. But Abraham says she wasn't selfish, though. He said when God heard her, he answered her, and she gave her son back to God. And he said he gave her a prophet. Wow. My goodness. Don't be selfish. God does something for you. Then you give it back to him. And he rewarded her a hundredfold and said he gave her a prophet. My 
because her mama got desperate. God reveals himself in desperation. Think about Jairus. Brother Bram says he was a borderline believer. Afraid to confess because they'd put him out of the synagogue. And so he just lived for so long right on the edge of a believer. Borderline. Maybe on just on the inside. You know, I come to church, but I'm out. I'm gone. Nobody has nothing. I just, I just come and I go pretty quiet. Don't do, do nothing. Someone would just wonder, who, who is this? Or They kind of show up half and half, and they don't really show... You know, any, any, really any uh, ex- expression of such. And you say, he, he's just there. He didn't want to show, he didn't want to kind of expose himself that he really actually followed Christ. But a doctor come one morning and said, she's dying now. But Abraham says, desperation then set in. And he couldn't afford as his position to be caught with Jesus of Nazareth because he would lose his position. But Brother Bram says, I tell you when emergency comes. Guess what? His position meant this much. It meant nothing now. What someone thought about him, if they're like, well, you go to school and you don't really really want kids to know that you, you really actually really do believe, really do want to live a Christian life, really believe that this message is true, but you know, I just don't want to get there. But suddenly something happened and all that now just disappeared from the front of his, mem- his mind. And what mattered what was I need to get the master to my little girl. He said there, my girl laying at a point of death. And then he runs and comes up to the master. Master, master, my little girl is that laying at a point of death. He didn't care now what the priests or scribes or anyone thought. He was only concerned with getting to the feet of the master. If that was only our concern, was getting to the feet of the master. You know, the little lady had just had her, her, her him touch the, she touched the garment, him of, brother, of, of the Lord's garment. And he said, if you'll just lay your hands on her, she'll live. He said, oh my desperation makes you say things sometimes, makes you do things. It puts you in action. His daughter was saved by desperation. Amen. May that be, oh God, our prayer and our, our, our testimony tonight is that action, not just a mental conception, but actually action happens. And that we say, Lord, I'm going to do something I've never done. I'm going to put myself in action because I am indeed desperate tonight. Oh, the scripture's so full of so many. I could go through a few more. Maybe I'll, oh my. How about blind Bartimaeus? You know, I, I'm not going to go through it as I have in my notes just to, to save some time. I thought maybe I'd be a little bit short, short tonight. So let me just move onwards. But there he was, and we know the story. We know the story of blind Bartimaeus. We've, we've, you've heard it preached over and over and over again. But it's his word and it's eternal. And the effects of his word are eternal. So I don't care if you heard it a hundred times. It's eternal the hundredth time. It's eternal the hundred and one time. And the supernatural is behind his word every time. If it wasn't, it's not his word. And there he was in the, Jer- the gates there. Scripture says they came to Jericho and there's a great number of people by Martimaeus sat by the highway side and he was there, of course, there was a lot of crowds screaming. 
And then it was heard that Jesus of Nazareth, and he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And I can tell you that Jesus was a long ways off. Crowds were everywhere. And if you could stop and hear and you lift yourself out to that 10,000 foot level, and you could see blind Martimaeus there, and God would give you a window into the audibility aspect of it, and he'd be shouting out. That's all Jesus heard by this. He didn't hear that voice. He heard a lot of other things. Crowds. But beside blind Bartimaeus were different people that were around him. And they heard, Jesus, son of David. And they're like, my goodness, can you be quiet? They can't hear you from where you're at. That's what they were doing. They said, they told him, hold your peace. Come on, Bartimaeus. You think he's going to hear you? Jesus, just be quiet. I have a need. Hold your peace. You know what he did? He cried out, Jesus, all the more. Maybe it's a little all the more tonight. You know, hey, you're just a little too loud in the service tonight. Maybe you're just a little bit too boisterous. You're shouting too much. Sorry, sorry. Jesus. He cried all the more. Hallelujah. What's this message all about? <laughs> come on now. What are you shouting about? What are you rejoicing about? Well, I come to church because I serve a living Savior. I serve a God who can answer my prayer. Oh, God. You can sit like a bump on a log in your pew, but I came to church. Who's this one they're all talking about? Oh, it's the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's who's on the scene tonight. Oh, and he had a desire to possess his healing. And the one that had it was just a ways away and he couldn't get there. He said, well, sir, don't you know who's passing by? No, I heard some of them say that there's a whole graveyard, you know, of dead people up there and go and raise the dead. Is that a blasphemer or somebody? No. Haven't you heard? It's Jesus of Nazareth, the prophet of Galilee. No. Hey, blind Bartimaeus never even heard. This is his first time. Oh, my. But a seed. First time. Something anchored. Really? A prophet of Nazareth? Oh, son of David. My, that was an instant revelation. He didn't have all, it was Jesus of Nazareth from Galilee, from Nazareth. Well, really, no, who comes out of Nazareth? Any good thing? No, that wasn't his response. His response was, son of David, the Messiah. Hallelujah. When someone comes by this message, they might not have heard it for nothing, but then it starts to speak to them. Serpent seed, it comes across their way. Baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. Wait a second. It's the son of man. Jesus Christ revealed today. Hallelujah. He said, well, is that him? Yes. <laughs> he couldn't see, but his faith sense was so in tune. Yes, is that him? Yes, <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes, he didn't need them to even confirm. He said, is he passing by? Someone said, shut up. You're making too much noise. But he was desperate. Amen. Yep. He might never have another opportunity right now, this moment. He said, what? We, he's, Brother Bram says, we might not neither. This might be the last night. Desperation 
he screamed out. Yeah. Amen. No, no matter who tried to stop him, nobody could stop him. And he screamed out in desperation. And Jesus stopped. Not because he was loud screaming. But something that's happening in somebody's heart here tonight is crying out. And it's penetrating the, the supernatural dimensions. And it's bringing God on the scene. Not by your voice. Not by how loud you scream. You can scream. But let the faith also scream. Bartimaeus had both happening. Jesus and his faith. Jesus. Both were hitting. Both ear and heart. Jesus had still commanded him to be called. They called the blind man saying, be good comfort. Rise, he calleth thee. Oh my goodness. The joy that must have set in on Bartimaeus at that moment. His desperation. Now, here's what I wanted just to get to on this part before I move on. Jesus said unto him, What wilt thou that I should do to thee? I thought, my goodness. Jesus knew he was blind. Jesus knows your situation. But you know what he did? It's like he just brought out an open checkbook. Signed his name at the bottom. He said, Bartimaeus, what will you have me to do? What do you have me to do? He wasn't limiting him at all. Here's a checkbook. Write what you need. You need eyesight. You need healing. You need deliverance. What do you need? What do you need tonight? The same checkbook is open to you. What will you have me do? What will you have me do? Oh, God help us. Hallelujah. He said, go thy way. Thy faith hath made thee whole. And immediately, immediately, he received his sight. Hallelujah. Glory be to my God. I believe tonight that immediately God answered your prayer. I ain't limited no God. I ain't scared to allow my God to back up his word. Hallelujah. He's an on-time God. Anytime, every time. Hallelujah. Be desperate. Possess what you need. He says, that was enough. Desperation is to receive something. When the faintest little touch, faith grabs it. Hallelujah. He said, now wait a minute. Hold there just a minute. Let me see if I can see now. This is what he's thinking. Is Blind Bartimaeus saying this? Wait, can I see? Or can I see? No, no. I never did see my hands for many years. Let's just see if I, I can see it. I can see it. No, he said, thy face will save you. That was enough. That's all he wanted. And immediately, his eyes were open. But Abraham says, desperation calls for a subject. And when, the, and when the subject, no matter how faint it is, it's received, it's believed right then because faith catches when desperation is pushing it. That's why some desperation needed. Maybe it just needs a little push. He said, love there mixes in with it and brings it to a desperation. Does it? My. Hallelujah. 
Oh my God, help us. You know, those are all situations of emergency situations which we have. And God uses them. God molds our characters and such. But there is one example in desperations that actually didn't have any healing, any dire situation as far as a physical aspect. And it was the queen of Sheba. But she had a desire. Her desperation was something different than maybe a healing of such. She was crying out because there was a word of her hour that was calling her. And that was awakening a desperation inside of her. Amen. That's what it is, saints. In this hour, it's not maybe, yes, we do have those, those needs, but there's also something, a desperation, because a word in our day, she heard of a Solomon. She heard of all the signs and the wonders and the discernments, and there should be, is this all true? Is, it, is this what I hear? And something, a great desperation rose up within her. Why? Because it was the word that was calling up a desperate desire to possess the token for her hour. Her desire was to know this king. She was willing to give everything. She was willing to give up her substance. Forget her pagan gods. Forget her family. Whatever they thought she was desperate to obtain what Solomon had. All just by hearing it. Is this true? Caravan after caravan. But it awakened, not an emergency. The word. The word awakened a strong desire. Hallelujah. I'm going to take a little bit of a turn as fast as I can. When God speaks, you should say, God, when He has a thought, it's a created thought. But Abraham says it. I thought I had the quote, but I don't see it here. But God's thought, he, Brother Ram says he creates it. And then the thought is spoken. It becomes word. And then it becomes manifest. Okay? And so we know that the power of God's word will transform something. God did this with the earth, a little clinker. And there it went off into space because he had a thought. And then God spoke it. What God said or how, I don't know. But when God speaks something, it's going to come to pass. That we do know. Amen? And so I don't know how that went forth, but something tangible took place in the little earth because God said, let there be. Let there be. Let there be. And some sort of sound issued forth, and there it was because he spoke it. Amen? How about you and me? He had us in his mind long before the world began. And here we are because we are a thought of God made manifest. Amen? So here we are if we go back. There we go. My, I knew I missed something. Because this part I want to talk about is to possess the token. The token had to first become tangible. Okay? In Moses' day, Moses, he had to preach. For Moses to preach, get the token. Put the blood on the door. There had to be a token there. Okay? Or it had to be provided one. 
So God manifests these things. He had to, he, he, his thoughts become manifest so they can become tangible for you and me. And Brother Bram says a thought was created by God himself. Every time God makes a thought, it's a creation. And when he speaks it, it becomes reality. All right. So here, if we go back to Egypt, a prophet now steps on the scene. And we have all these different plagues and such. But now he was there at a critical hour, a desperate hour as we've been speaking. Because he's there now to identify where the token laid. Because here a death angel was going to come across on the scene. Death was going to sweep through the land. And he was going to say, you need to have blood on the doorpost. But it took a prophet, because God already knew long before the foundation of the world, that he was going to need blood or require blood to be on the doorpost. So then he sent his word to a prophet. And a prophet steps on the scene and says, take a lamb. Well, that little lamb was there a few days before, and he was just walking, and it didn't mean nothing. The blood in that lamb meant zero. It was just a little lamb. But as soon as a prophet spoke, it changed the parameters now, and that little lamb now possessed something. It was now the identified token of that day. Why? Because God had spoke his word through a prophet and identified that's the token. That's your protection. That's where your safety lies. And so it was sent to bring detail to what God was requiring them to do. You couldn't just say, well, put a token on the door. Well, what? what how exactly do I do that? Where do I go for that? What do you mean token? I need to get saved. What's... No. God sent a word to specifically instruct them. It's right here. It's right here. It was specific. You need hyssop. You need this certain plant. Not another one. Hyssop. You need this. You need to get a one-year-old. You need to hold him for 14 days. Then you need to go in the evening time. And you need to then slay the lamb. You need to take the blood. You need to do this. He was very specific in identifying what the token was going to be. Take the blood. Put it on the doorpost. Over the lintels and on the side. The prophet was identifying detail by detail. This is the exact way that you are safe in the time of death. This token, it was the first time. Nobody knew blood. What? Over the doorpost. Yeah. How? But Moses had spoken it. And they hung on to it. Because they had trust that everything else Moses had said was coming to pass. So if he said this, this is what I must do. As weird as it may sound, as strange as this may be, what's blood? I don't understand this, Daddy. Why are we doing this? I don't know. But the prophet said so. All I know is death is coming. I can feel it all around me. And I'm going to do exactly what he said because he's identified where the token lays. Somehow, somehow this blood was going to become the barrier to death itself. You say, well, just the natural blood? Yeah. I mean, I could have taken that, that little lamb, cut its throat, put the blood on the doorway, done all these things days before. But no, no. After the prophet had spoken the word that came from God himself, it infused into that blood a power a power to stand against even death not Moses' word God's word go 
God's word through a prophet infuse the power into the token. Hallelujah. You had to just believe his message. <laughs> you had to believe the message. Really? Yeah, that's what you got to do. Really? Yeah, that's where it lays. And the death angel sweeping through the land like smoke, as Brother Branham says. Here, Daddy, as we went before, Daddy, you sure? I'm sure. The death angel come. He wouldn't. Stopped at the door. Another one. Stopped at the door. That's just lamb's blood. Stop at the door. No, no. It's not just lamb's blood. It's a blood that is infused with the word of Almighty God. The blood may be a symbol, but there's a life behind it because the prophet spoke it. What about today? <laughs> Come on. What about today? Is death hovering? Oh, yes. Is it sweeping through the ladder? Oh, yes. Why was Brother Branham in such desperation? In the message, desperation. Because he had just preached just a little bit before. He preached the seals, which I know ministers have said before. Look at the significance of the different messages. Look at the seals that he preached. Then he goes and preaches a token, and he identifies that that message should come after the seals. And then in desperation, he's there crying out, you need to get a token. Why? Because he's pointing back to an open word. He's pointing back to the seals being broken, the unveiling of God Almighty, the one that life can come forth and stand as a barrier to death in this day. It should put in us a desperation. And he's crying out. He says, oh, the seals and revealed. He goes, it's put in the papers and the seven angels and seven messages. And he goes through the different signs. He goes, the flashes of the end time. Bringing it up to the people to tell them what it is. All about it. The Lord is working right there. Showing himself present. That's what he was doing. God was unveiling himself. Christ is the mystery of God revealed. He's unveiling the unveiling of God. All the seals is open to show you who he is. And who you are. But it takes a prophet to take the word of God as it did Moses. God's word then puts in his mouth and he starts to point you back to the word. Where's the token? Back to the word. Where's the life? Back to the word. That's where the token followed and then in desperation as Moses would have been in desperate. Get a lamb. Get the blood. Get in this message. Get this word. Robe yourself. This is the token. He says right then, down this morning, come up and require that token on every person. Then he says, you see what desperation it puts me in. Signs of his coming should throw every member of Christ into desperation. Hallelujah. That's where we are. This message this bleeding word, a prophet had to bring the word 
so that you and I could identify where it is. You and I would have no clue. We'd have no idea. Scrambled like everyone else in this world. But when a prophet came, just as they were in Moses' day, they could have gone and grabbed a cow. They could have gone and grabbed some other item, some other substance, some other liquid. But God said, it's a lamb. And God said, this is where I am. I'm in my word. I have revealed myself. I've expounded. I, I've unveiled the very mysteries of God. This is who I am. This is what you need. You need my life that was released at Calvary. You need that life, that Holy Ghost life inside of you. Not blood, not the substance, not the chemistry, not the physical liquid, but the very essence, the very life that's inside, the blood that was released on Calvary. That's what you need. And the prophet went around the world and around the world, identifying and pointing back and revealing so that it was so clear that we, this world, would have no excuse as he would point to Christ and we would be able to identify what we need to possess. But Abraham says he only recognizes the token. He says that's the message of the hour. <laughs> that's the message of this day. That's the message of this time. In the name of Jesus Christ, receive it. How clear is that? Identified by an unwavering prophet, as Moses did, probably had scorn from different sides. So did the prophet of this day. But still, nonetheless, he said, that's where the token lays. He says, now we've talked the same thing about this token. We've talked to the token all along the way. Think about it. But Abraham says they had the lamb for 14 days. He goes back and he talks about the different ages and the different times and justification and such like that. But there came a time when is, he said, but now is the manifestation of the token. He says the Lutherans allowed it. Accepting the word, accepting Christ as a personal savior. The Methodists, well, you get happy enough to shout it. Pentecostal speaking tongue, then you got it. And we find out it's all wrong. He said, the token is the token. It's you and Christ as persons together. It's the Holy Spirit, his life working in you, his own life through you. And it's for the rich, the poor, the whosoever who would receive it. Hallelujah. There it was. Word that had been through the ages. This Bible that had been down through the ages, read by so many, reading it and reading it and reading it, maybe a little bit coming out. Oh, maybe this scripture. Oh, I don't have a clue what that means. What is exactly does this mean? But there came a time yeah, yeah. after the 14 days that that little lamb running around. But then there came a moment yeah. when the blood was shed and the prophet identified that's the time. And it came to a time when God said, I'm going to send my prophet because I'm going to identify the time, the hour, when I'm going to open up every aspect of my word and say this, the whole thing, the unveiling and opening of it is where my life lies. 
and transforming what to some would be dead letter and transforming it to life, eternal. Amen. Ooh, musicians, why don't you come? My, my. Hallelujah. Well, what a feeling of relief that each of those daddies and mommies would have had as the death angel started to recede and started to lift. As he came, he started to lift. And the little mommies and daddies with their children and loved ones and families and friends would have stood out and opened the door. They'd look at the blood. Oh, thank you. Thank you, our Jehovah, that gave us a token. And they would just, can you imagine just the elation of joy when their little one that would have been there, the firstborn son, he's still standing alive. Oh, thank God for a prophet. Thank God that he came and identified what was needed and a word could infuse a power in this blood to hold us, hold the death angel back. Think of the joy. I'm thinking there was a lot of, they'll be singing and shouting when the saints go marching in. I'm pretty sure that would have been there. Amen. The death angel moves through Egypt, but it was shalom. I'm sure that word became real apparent at these moments. Amen. There, Israel with Rahab had the same instance. We won't go into it, but as she could walk out of the rubble, look back at the token cord. Oh, thank you, Lord, for Joshua. Thank you for my Savior. Shalom. Oh, my death in this day. Utter spiritual death. Void of life all around us. Yes? Yeah. But there's a people (laughs) that possess something. That when they can walk out on the ashes of the wicked, as terrible as that may feel and sound, but I'm just going to say, oh God, thank you that I could walk through Laodicea with my family and my friends and loved ones that went with us, Lord, of this great body of your bride. And we can look back and we can say, oh, the blood of Jesus, the precious blood of Jesus. Oh, it washes, it cleanses, but it protects me. Hallelujah. Oh, yeah, we might be shouting like that now, but it'll be different at that day. Oh, my, the bleeding word that brings such peace in time of turmoil. Somebody's sitting with terrible things going on right now in their homes, to war across the seas, and you sit at your home with peace. That is something that very, very, very few have because of a token. Because of a token. I must skip so much. Let's stand and we can sing. I want to sing. Let the death angel pass. It's the most appropriate song. The desperation, the desperate hour turns into a joyous hour of shalom. When you have a token blood on your doorpost, I'd say if you can't sing that song, with peace in your heart not saying for condemnation's sake I'm saying 
I pushed that out the door at the beginning. But I'm talking a real desperate need. He said, I can't say those words. I can't sing that song. Knowing that I'm there, that that I have the blood on the doorpost, I'd say, tonight, it's your moment to get desperate. Desperate times. Satan's desperate. He's going to do everything he can. But I've gone through too many examples to show that I don't care how hard the devil comes, how much of a Job situation you may be in, what type of circumstances you may be at. The worst, the hardest, the most fervent, desperate measures Satan can throw on will never, never, never push through the barrier of this token. Never. So I'd say tonight, get desperate to possess what you need and know will save you from this death angel this day. Let's just sing this. The Lord spoke to Moses and told him what to say. Children of Israel in Goshen that day, oh, slain lame taker, oh, strike the post on the door, for I'll pass to Egypt this time, oh, and
that your prayer tonight. I'm so sorry I held you a little long. And say in this desperate hour, a few moments in his presence is probably the difference maker. Why don't we bow our head tonight, Heavenly Father. Lord, indeed, it is a desperate hour, Lord. Desperate needs, desperate cries, Lord. But Lord, I'm so thankful. Lord, in this Exodus season, you've given us a clear, clear token, oh God. Lord, that you've given the grace that would even open our eyes to see that, Lord, different ones here, each one of us here, because nothing of our own merit, nothing of our own ability, but because your grace stepped in on the scene. And, Lord, you opened each one's eyes to see this is where the token lays. It's in me. It's in my word. And, Lord, you revealed that to us in this hour. So we want to say thank you, Lord. Oh, what a joy and a peace it gives us, Lord. Lord, I can imagine when, when Israel, Lord, stepped on that morning. Lord, because after desperation, after the token hour, there was an exodus hour. That, Lord, they were then leaving the Egypt. Lord, after this desperate hour, after these moments that we had to sojourn here on earth, after the time when we had to be desperate to ensure that we have the life of God in us, there's a rapture there before us, Lord. That's what we're living for. Lord, we're breathing for so I pray, oh God, if someone here tonight is needing, Lord Jesus, Lord, a moment in your presence that their heart, like blind Bartimaeus, may be not necessarily vocal, but Lord, their heart, Lord, their faith would be so vocal in a desperate hour, a desperate moment to get a hold of you, Lord. And they would have, a, a, Lord, a transforming moment tonight in the very presence of Almighty God. Lord, may you, Lord, your scripture says that there be signs following your word. So, Lord, would you do so in your own way? And, Lord, vindicate that your word is true. Lord, that it would show that your word is life, Lord. It's still the same yesterday, today, and forever, oh, God. So we commit the service and the people. Lord, the weak now to you. Go with each one, Lord, on the road. Protect us now. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. 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 God bless you. God be with you. Thank the Lord that your blood is on the doorpost. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. Amen.